for takeoff. Morning, one and all. This is the Kings of the Heart podcast. My name is Tariq Omari Walton, and we are here on this planet to try to help save relationships. And to help me do that, as always, I have my partner in crime, my brother, Dr. John Hart. Dr. Hart, how you feeling, sir? How you feeling? Feeling good. Feeling great. It's always great to be here. It's good to see you, brother. Good to be here with you. And we have a special guest today. She is a matchmaker, supreme, and also a social worker. Please, let's welcome to the show, Ms. G, Gwendolyn G, the matchmaker Sanders. What's up, G? Uh-oh. Oh, G, we can't hear you. We can't hear you, G. <laughs> um, oh, now you can. Uh-oh. Yeah, you keep going in and out. I don't know what that's about. Yeah. Yeah, your your, your mic keeps going in and out. And so I can see you clearly. I'll try again. Testing one, two, three. Testing one. Yeah, you you're you're, the, you're fine before. I don't know what happened, but for some reason right now your mic isn't isn't steady. It's like keeps going in and out. Um. So I I can see like the little mic check. Okay. Yeah. You're now you're now you're clear. Now I'm clear. Now you're clear. I'm let's clear. let's let's go for it from there. Okay, so maybe I just need to be closer. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. Hey, so G, glad to have you here. You are, like I said, a matchmaker, but not only a matchmaker, you are also an author. You have a book yeah. that um, I read that I bought, like, soon as it came out, called In Search of James Evans. This is your first book, right? It is my first book. First book, and it is nonfiction. It is about your life and your search to find the man of your dreams. Tell, and tell us a little bit about that book. And it is um, a little bit of a rites of passage. Mm, true. Mm. Actually worked with a, a really amazing um, writing coach, um, ironically, um, Corinne Steffens, mm -hmm. uh, where I had the opportunity to really learn a lot about myself and a lot about what I wanted to share in my journey. And she basically helped me to understand that in my search to find my James Evans and James Evans for people who would like to know, yes, I'm talking about the character from Good, Good Times. Time. Right. He was my first crush. She helped me to realize why James Evans was my first crush. And it had a lot to do with his archetype. Mm -hmm. That wasn't really like, obviously he was impoverished. Obviously he was older than me because I was a child when I was watching him. But it was more so what he represented. So the journey really starts from how he became my first crush to what are some of the values that I really like aligned with and was drawn to about him and what that origin came from, um, which was my father, which was my brother, which was ultimately my now husband yeah. and, all, and all the men that was in between. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's one thing I love about the book, how revealing and how vulnerable you are. You I mean, you really open up about all your dating situations, the things that you were doing, um, how it impacted your son, and then ultimately to get where you were. And the thing that I was really curious about, 
how much of that story led you into becoming a matchmaker? And again, that's why I said I think having the Oh, it was almost like writing coach slash writing therapy. So I started becoming a matchmaker when I was single. Right. Okay. And I was in actually, um, you know, your fellow alum mm. uh, university and studying sociology. And in doing that, being single at that time, it was just like me kind of figuring out my own journey. Right. A lot of the book really kind of goes into like, again, what I was looking for, but it also kind of doesn't really maybe touch specifically on how I became a matchmaker, but it does all tie together to say that although I'm married now and happy that I found my James Evans, the journey was really more so about finding myself. And that started at Louis State in the sociological department and really kind of figuring out how to date online. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And tell us about that part of it, too. We had on the show a few, about a month ago, actually more than a month ago now. Yeah, yeah, um, more than a month ago. Yeah, but about two now, months, yeah. right. Um, Erica yeah. Etten of um, A Little Nudge. Uh -huh. Yeah, yes. she came on and we talked about her process of helping people just get good profiles online and how to move from being online and meeting online into their first dates and how she really helps organize that whole journey. For you, where does the process start? With your clients? Uh, if you can imagine, um, happily 53 years old. Actually, my birthday just passed. Happy belated. Happy belated. Thank you very much, gentlemen. So, but when I was dating um, and on my kind of, I would say, effective dating journey, I was in my mid-30s. Mm. So mm. At that time, for a person like myself, dating online was like a non-starter. Because if you can imagine, I'm talking about Black Planet. I'm talking about MySpace. I'm talking about... Oh, I remember. Wow, I remember those. I remember. <laughs> Hinge and Bumble and, you know, Match.com. Mm -hmm. I am talking about old school, just getting started. Right. Um, even further back, you can go back to Craigslist. Because what a lot of people don't understand, that online dating really kind of branches off from a place of when we used to do the, um, the romantic dating searches in regular, like, um, newspapers. Right. True. Yeah. Yep. That's true. Be able to find love in a newspaper and you would basically um, type up an ad. So for a person like myself to be like a half and half introvert, extrovert, dating online was not something I was comfortable with. I definitely thought I was going to end up in somebody's trunk. <laughs> so it was really like a journey to say, like, I'm going to really meet random people in a computer and then meet them in person. So just branching out doing the project kind of gave me, I think, a foundation to say it wasn't random. It was orchestrated um, and it was put into, um, again, a project of research um, and it just happened to work. Mm. Right. Right. And John, you have a, a similar story, too, just in terms of getting online and, and searching for, you know, doing online dating. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it, I, I, I a lot of what G said uh, really resonates. And uh, and it's and it's hard because there's a lot of. Um, a lot of people overlook how many internal processes and thoughts and feelings you really do have to process when you jump on those platforms, right? And so, you know, when, when G was talking, I really appreciated um, opening and expanding people's minds that uh, this has been going on for some time now. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it's easy to ground ourselves and say like uh, match.com, harmony, right? But G took us way back. I mean, you know, she's right. Even, even, even dating back to even newspapers, people actually having to work with newspaper uh, uh outlets 
you know, to create your story and put it out there, um, that's a different kind of vulnerability. And so, for, so G, one question I have for you is, I mean, uh, how have things changed? You know, I mean, when you when you take us way back to the newspapers and even um, dating services and, and platforms popping up, when you look at things now, um, what are some things that you've seen evolve for better or for worse? Um, one, I think, and I think you make such a great point. I, I love the fact that you, you know, added in the aspect of vulnerability. I think that's one of the um, blockers or hurdles. Mm-hmm. Particularly, I would just say, like, my niche is um, Black people. Um, mm-hmm. Black. So I openly say that my expertise falls in with people that look like me. And sure. so ultimately, it has really been sometimes a real kind of embarrassment, a child. Mm-hmm vulnerability to be able to say let's go like you said way back and say like if they was putting themselves in a newspaper ad and just kind of putting your stuff out there in a hard stock piece of paper that people can (laughs) imagine putting your face on a profile and somebody can screenshot and say like oh Mm. look at g out here on these streets and these (laughs) right like oh she just dating she didn't never mention to me that she was online So I think the first hurdle is the vulnerability to really understand that you can simply not fall in love without the fall Mm. and the Mm. vulnerability. Mm. So whatever Mm. that is available, you should really try to have a comprehensive, effective dating plan that absolutely should include online. So yeah, it has evolved in so many ways and Mm. it algorithms and all these other, you know, aspects that are included but it's still just it's a basic vulnerability and transparency to say, yes, I am openly telling the world I am looking for love. Mm-hmm. What about mm-hmm. people? You know, people have to get past that. It's almost like being shy. Right. You know, and mm-hmm. putting themselves out there like that. So whether they're doing it online or they're reaching out to a matchmaker like you, what are some of the other hurdles for people to overcome to make that first step to not even date, but to find the right platform for them to, to find mm-hmm. somebody? I think that also goes into, and I'm sure Erica gave a lot of good context um, because she, she's um, Erica um, Etienne is the, the guru that I started to go to because what people also don't understand is that it's it's not a magic wand. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Well, I don't want to be in a club, and I don't want to be, you know, running all right. Um, <laughs> and in modern times, I ain't trying to catch COVID. So, right, speak on it. <laughs> so it's like, I ain't going out to these places. So I'm just going to go online and I'm just going to see if I can find someone. And then you realize, oh, yeah, I don't know if I can curse. You're like, oh, shit. Like this, this, this is work. Mm-hmm. I all these profiles. I have to, yeah. I have a, a, a functional way of like screening through people. I have to follow up with these people. I have to type messages. I have to screen my pictures and make sure they're all the good angles. So I just think that ultimately that people will find that the search of love, whether you utilize online or you do um, organic dating, it is really never necessarily easy, but you really have to kind of keep the focus of saying, just like you wanted your degree, you wanted to get your house, you wanted to get that car. Absolutely. Absolutely. Finding the right mate is going to be easy and a magic wand. And that's why the whole matchmaking thing, sometimes we have to kind of dispel. I'm not Cupid. I don't have a bow. Yeah. it's work. Whether you utilize me, utilize a person like Erica Etienne, whether or not you do the work yourself, it is always going to be work. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. No, that that's that's a really good point. One of the things that when you were talking that came up, um, we'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Is is there such a thing, especially nowadays, with the uh, balancing online with the organic uh, parts of dating? Right? Does that even exist? Are people even doing that? I would say it's a definite shift, John, is because what it is, people, again, believe until they actually do the work or get lost in what I call the rabbit hole. Mm. What's the the rabbit hole? The rabbit hole is people who are maybe recently single. A lot of my clients were recently single. They were in their Mm. late 30s, mid, early 40s, all the way up to Mm. 55. So Mm -hmm. they were, and I say desperate in a good way, wanted to family wanted to have a child and they were like, okay, I got to do something different. Or they just lost their significant other. Um, mm. words, I've had widows, I've had divorcees, I've had people who had long-term relationships and broke up. So it's, it's just the whole idea of basically like restarting. And so of course people want mm. what think is an easy pathway to just meet some people. Um, and then they realize like, wow, the world has changed. And if I've been sure. in for 20 years, yeah. the rabbit hole is all of a sudden you feel like, wow, look at all these people. <laughs> that access, right? Let me yeah. go to a candy jar. And they go deep into a rabbit hole of just dating and engaging in sex and just like not even having a criteria. And then mm. when up the air, they realize, whoo, okay, that was fun. But mm-hmm. now I want to like really kind of create a plan. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. well, tell me this because you know I, I hate like self promoting so much on our platform. But you know I, I came out with a book. It's just a damn date, eighteen years ago. Um, so I've been talking about this stuff for for a very long time. And one of the things I've always talked about or kind of preached against was being so intentional on the actual date, right? There's one thing to be intentional about your purpose and what you're doing, but bringing that into a date and kind of flooding your date with all of your desires and what it is that you're actually looking for can really turn people off. And I've always said that's not the purpose of the actual date. For you, when you start working with clients, how do you define dating for them? What is the purpose of a date? Why are they? Well, let's just start there. What is the purpose of a date? How do you define dating to them? Well, first and foremost, Tariq knows that I actually utilized him to like teach and preach. (laughs) So you can definitely do your plug because actually I really believe in the aspect of I'm not a one-stop shop. Right. And so my foundational dating program is, but then I want you to go to other experts from male to female, you know, gentlemen to women who have a wealth of understanding about not just about love, but like loving yourself and getting preparation for dating. And particularly what I like to always say, effective dating. There's one thing about dating. You can just go out in these streets and you can meet someone and have sex and have fun. Mm -hmm. But effective dating, that's a whole strategy. That's a process. That's a plan. And so, yes, Tariq was one of the people that helped me to help some of my clients understand. Yeah, it is just a date initially. And actually, if you feel so inclined, you might want to just use meetup, which is a part of what a lot of people utilize today to say, I don't believe that women or gentlemen should have these lofty expectations. I don't mean, I don't believe that gentlemen should be out here spending their last check on a first date. Absolutely. Outside at a park, at a coffee shop. I would say chivalry should say, but if you can't pay for my one little Starbucks coffee cup and you want me to go Dutch on coffee, 
personally, that's be a person I wouldn't be interested in. Right. But I'm also not telling you to take me to um, uh, Ruth Chris right. on a meetup. Right. And I see you and I walk away because I don't like what you look like. So I think that people should have manageable expectations. And if it helps you to use language, I would suggest meetups versus dates uh, for your first interaction. Right. John, I'm curious for you, you know, when you um, started online dating, you know, I don't know if, I mean, we've talked about it online before and, yeah. and you, you know, that's when you met your wife, um, yep. you know, my lovely sister. Um, <laughs> when you went online, you know, what were, what were your thoughts about intentionality around what you're trying to do or what you're trying to find? Um, I, I also think that, uh, the timing aspect of people's lives are interesting. So I know mm. when I started, I was I was in the throes of my dissertation. So if I'm going to be honest, like I wasn't hardcore. Like I need to find someone like that. That 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 wasn't it. Um, it's just the heavens above opened up, and I was able to find my wife actually very quickly. Right, but I didn't have expectations for myself. That's just me. And so I'm really, I I I, I heard about online dating. Um, I said, let's give it a try. I also didn't have the availability. So yeah. uh, what's going on in my life, right? I'm in the heights of grad school. Oh, I remember. Like, I remember very clearly. Yeah, we had yeah, those conversations. I'm fully, yeah, I'm fully consumed, right? And um, and so, you know, but it doesn't mean that I wasn't intentional in the back of my mind and inside my heart. Like I understood right. that I wanted to find someone. So that was there, right? And it it, it does, it does, it does take two, right? I mean, I I wasn't hardcore on the platforms. I would check them and I would respond. But um, it really, when when I met my wife on it, we really hit it off pretty quickly. And to be honest and fair to the audience, I think that's when my level of interest picked up. Mm -hmm. Where I said to myself, "Oh wow!" Like just me, when I met my wife, just talking back and forth i said to myself like wow this is pretty convenient so let me invest a little bit more and i just want to uplift something the reason why i'm sharing the story is g's absolutely right and that is um i got to a place where um once i got in um the criteria started to develop mm -hmm. and my intentionality picked up so it's my story is based on well i wasn't going in full head like i gotta find someone as g was alluding to but I, it was an opportunity like online dating gave me an opportunity to now expose myself during a time where i was super unavailable but once i got in and i started talking uh uh to women and when i found my wife then the criteria started to develop okay john based on where you are and what do you want and all of those things right then then it developed and things took off and so i think timing is is is, is a big part of dating i that i yeah. think that's the true essence of what i'm bringing up and um because even even when i met my wife you know you know there's a there's a um there's a joke in grad school, you know, in the PhD program that, you know, your dissertation is your significant other. Like, that's your partner. Like, you eat, sleep, and breathe it. Right. But then when I met my wife, uh, I was like, nah, like, we want to split time. Like, you know, we got to split time. Like, she's that special. Um, but I wouldn't have met my wife if it, was, if it wasn't for those platforms because I, I, I learned from other people who were actually very successful online. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot there individually, systemically, you know, regarding dating. And so I appreciate a lot of the things uh, G underscored there because that was very helpful. I know for me when I was going through it. Mm -hmm. And how, how, G, for you, how common is that kind of attitude 
with the people who are actually approaching you about matchmaking? Because John sounds like he took a very um, almost hands off, hands on approach to begin with and then became a lot more hands on as he got into yeah. it. But how common is that approach for your clients? Well, and I think I love a lot of things that John said about the fact that the timing, which is something that we have somewhat control over, meaning because obviously John was talking about he's working through his dissertation program. And so obviously like I said, he's married to his, you know, his right. at this point. But then he did seem to have a like arm of saying, I also yep. want to kind of explore a romantic goal because now I'm seeing the balance of my education is very important, which could impact my career. But having a strong person beside me could also impact my overall Absolutely. life. Mm-hmm. Plus, like he was doing that intentional thought processing. But I think the part, even for me, when I did my sociological project, which Tariq has heard this story a thousand times, being a single woman in my early uh, mid to early 30s, and also I was a single mother. So like John, like most, I had another responsibility besides dating, but mm-hmm. also longing to date and date in an effective way. So the sociological project helped me to kind of really kind of dive into the fact of, I've got to do something different. I want to do something um, a little bit more um, out there to kind of kind of see what is out there besides what's in my small circle. And so within 45 days, I went out with 75 men. And that. 75 men, one of them ended up becoming my husband. But when you go back to John's point about timing, then that's the part also that people have to understand. Absolutely. Bond. So timing is going to be a part of the orchestration of the comprehensive dating because you have to have like a goal of what are you dating for? You have to have an understanding of your values, but then you also have to accept the timing. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Sometimes within your control, sometimes it's not. So patience and understanding that you could walk right past your husband or wife and Mm -hmm. then in another setting and so timing has to do with the fact of being ready. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's yeah. timing is just legitimate timing. And then it's also just, are you ready today? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you, you mentioned timing. I know for me and my wife, timing was major. You know, I had seen her at a mutual friend's party six years before we actually got together, you know, and she was, you know, still married at the time. Um, I had just gotten out of an engagement about a year before, actually less than a year before. Um, so we were both, you know, going through our own transitions, but by the time we got together, we were in a much better place for each other, you know, so that timing thing is key. And even for you, when I, you know, I remember reading your book, um, when you did meet the man who ultimately became your husband, you were very revealing about what it is that you were looking for, you know, being tired of being out there and just wanting to be with somebody, which usually will scare people off, you know, if it's not the right time for them or if they're not there for that. You know, it might people would go running like, oh, oh, that's a little bit too much for me. Right. I I don't know if I'm here for that. But that wasn't the case for you. So tell us about that kind of timing and how you felt comfortable enough to open up to him about what it is that you really wanted and him being receptive to that. I think Tariq and um, and you've met my husband. Mm -hmm. It was really, again, like like that timing. And I think your story about you and your wife is the perfect story of you already had some foundation that y'all had value alignment, Mm -hmm. but y'all were in other relationships, not really like going towards each other. Y'all were living your best lives in other realms. 
And then y'all came back to each other. And what's really great is, is that you already have some understanding of each other's values. So when I met my husband, I was had already made what I consider to be the effective dating shift. So I had definitely met men and engaged men and went online and did this project and met all these, you know, great, mm -hmm. not attractive, some very, you know, um, successful, some not. And my husband came in a space to really help me to understand that regardless of that, he was not necessarily like right in front of me. I had to have a plan self mm -hmm. myself set the tone for whomever came across my path. And so if you were not comfortable with the fact that at the time I really was asking hard questions up front, then obviously I have to respect the fact that your journey and my journey at this time does not align. True. But part about having a foundational aspect of how you date effectively includes you don't keep moving your line. You don't Good keep, point. you kind of have to stand and also respect that the same way that someone might reject you you are rejecting someone else mm -hmm. just because you don't align at that time there should not be any kind of anger or frustration towards the other person that if your journey is at the time if you don't move your line and you don't make people move their line you just hope in a place where you kind of on at the right mm -hmm. yeah i know i've ran across mm -hmm. that a few times too where I may meet yeah. somebody and reach out to them like, you know, you want to go out and they may be in a relationship with somebody. They may have just gone out of something might not be a good time, yeah. but then they circle yeah. back around later on, yeah. you know, Hey, it just wasn't a good time. So I didn't take it as rejection. Like there's something wrong with me. I recognize the timing of it. You know, they said, no, nah, I don't want to date you. You're ugly. Then that's one thing I've been, I, I'd step forever, but they were just like, yeah. you know, well, I'm into something else and cool. You know, I'll let you, you know, I'll let you go. And if you do have the chance to come back around, if I'm still single at the time, then cool. Unfortunately, a lot of people came back around when I got married or on my way to get married. I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, you know? well, that's facts because uh, for men, like your marketability almost goes up when people think that you're off the market. All the Absolutely. Time. You know, aesthetically, you um, both of you are very attractive. Oh, thank and you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Your own right, because um, Tariqa shared a lot about you, John, and just hearing. Thank you. So. You are already kind of checking off boxes, but the reality of it is that for whatever reason, the stars align. Men who are showing their woman respect, particularly a black man, your marketability is almost like you're wearing a glow, walking around, and so <laughs> more people drawn to you. Um, and your resistance actually is even something that trying to be, you know, drawing people in. So. It's, you know, it's a little crazy, but also to your point, Tariq, when you said about, you know, somebody said like, you know, you're, you know, oh, you're ugly. I definitely think that people have to, of course, watch the language and how you care about people. I believe in love. Absolutely. Yeah. But I also believe that what happens a lot of times, men in particular, I'll also speak about women in a second in a different category, when they're not giving real clear feedback because they're so concerned that if I say that you're not my type, or I'm not really interested in you, or I'm not attracted to you, which is really good language to use, that the woman is gonna break down, slash her tires, slash her wrists. And they would, you know, kind of to me, kind of what I consider to be cowardly moves, just kind of either string them along, not communicate. I don't like the word ghosting. I say abandon the communication. And mm -hmm. I think that 
people, women and men have to be mature enough to date effectively to understand that feedback is a part of dating. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Constructive feedback. And somebody gives you constructive feedback and then you are like astounded. Like they said to you, like, you're not really my type or I'm not really interested or I don't feel any energy. And you're so astounded. It's usually because you're not giving constructive feedback. Mm, true. Going along, or you're abandoning communication. Wow, yeah, wow. But well, I, I think I think I think that's really deep, and I really appreciate you, you know, sharing that, G. And and when you were talking, I was also thinking about, and, and we love to hear your thoughts about, you know, doing the work on yourself simultaneously as you're dating, right? So one of the things that I think a lot of people don't know, and and I and I thank God for, and I and even as a licensed clinician, is that. When I met my wife, in addition to being in grad school, going through all of that and the stresses and the ups and downs and the expectations, I was also in the height of my therapeutic journey. Like I myself was in therapy. And I thank God for that because at the end of the day, I became, by the time I met my wife, Crystal, when we met online or online dating, even before I met her, like I was in a really healthy place to be able to deal with feedback or give feedback and even be emotionally secure, right? And I, I, I really do. So the reason why I stress timing is because, you know, as long as you're taking care of yourself, uh, and if you are someone who believes spiritually that, you know, things will come your way as you're doing that work, I, 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 I always, every day when I look at my wife, I thank God because not only was I doing for myself in terms of career, and I think a lot of people get stuck there where I'm doing me, I'm doing a career, but I was also in therapy. I was putting in that work. I was learning and unlearning a lot of the unhealthy things that made me to, when I met her, even in person, I can, she was able to experience a completely different John that had existed. And I think a lot of people have to really give credit to dating doesn't mean that your work on you stops. Right. Um, I was able to simultaneously, I actually share with my wife, I, I want to say the second second time we had like um, hung out, I was like, I'm in therapy. Like I told her straight up, like I'm, I'm working. And and just the way that she was very open and responsive and she her, her response was like, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like I, I really appreciated that. And so I just wanted to underscore and see what your thoughts are that people shouldn't necessarily stop the ongoing internal process, that journey, just because you're dating, right? There's no such thing as, well, because I'm uh, available and I'm out of this relationship, I'm here and I'm ready. I was actually doing the work. I was actively in therapy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know what your thoughts are about that, but I think the audience really needs to understand that 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 journey of work on yourself never stops, even when you're dating, or heck, even when the relationship starts to become more exclusive. Like, because I was still in that joke for a minute, you know, and and it's one of the reasons why my wife and I have a very healthy, successful bond and connection because people she didn't stop her work and I didn't stop my work just because we found each other. And I think it's easy for people to stop working because I found that person, or at least I'm, I'm, I'm finding people who I like. And I'd love to get your thoughts on that because I, I, I've sensed that even with some of my clients over the years. Well, I mean, again, John, again, I already love you and Crystal's story like this. And again, I think that's what people don't want to say like relationship goals or aspire to, but I do believe that there are models and, romantic love, just like there are models in certain industries and business. And I think telling your story is what also keeps it a buck and keeps it real and keep people understanding that just because you and your wife are so in sync and people can see and understand your love, that you're openly sharing like, oh, I told her like on the first couple of dates about therapy. I think yeah. it's 
back to that vulnerability that is that word is used often. That's the reason why sometimes people like either misuse it or feel like it's very cliche-ish or it's just a tagline. And it, it truly is something that has to be a part of a healthy romantic relationship. And as Tariq knows, I referred a lot of my people to him when he was not booked and busy. <laughs> like a huge part of my vetting process for the clients that I work with was also ensuring that they understood that I'm just not accepting clients just to accept clients. Um, so as mentioned, I'm a social work professional. I had mm -hmm. a time gig. Um, so I'm not saying I was living off of like my author residuals, but I am an author. So I have other interests. I'm also like at the time earlier on, I was a single mother and then I was in relationships. So yeah, I'm busy and doing stuff. So I don't want my time wasted. It's like, I don't want to waste a client's time. Mm -hmm. Come to my plate or come to my, you know, my circle and we're talking and I really don't feel that you are ready to date effectively mm. because mm. you need to do your work. I am sending you back. Go pick up Tariq's book. Go pick up Kelsey <laughs> right. Brunson's book. Go in later time, go pick up my book. Um, had a whole list of books to say, oh, if you don't want to do books, okay, well, maybe you should can kind of consider some, some self-love, some self-work. Mm -hmm list of therapists that I highly recommend that understand where I'm coming from and I believe you would work well with them. Oh, don't like individual therapy? Well, here goes some groups. Um, here goes mm. some groups, things that maybe can help you to enhance. And at the end of it, if you didn't want to do any of that, then I'm sending you back to say, go ask the three people who know you best and ask them to give you some raw feedback. Mm. Because what I'm seeing in this initial conversation, you're not ready. Mm. I think the part that people don't understand is that you might feel that you are ready, but a part of maybe why you're not aligning with someone is that others see you're not ready. Mm. You're so focused on what they're doing and not doing that mm. you're not really looking at yourself. And so romantic love is a whole different aspect because all the goals in the world, hearing from John, and I know Tariq's story about all the things that you know, he accomplished in his success, all those things are individual, right? It's very accomplished. You can be the strong black woman. You can be the accomplished, successful, strong black man. You can have all those things and you can be genuinely a good person to your friends, to your family, to your colleagues. But romantic love requires you living life with another person. Mm. They don't have to accept you. They don't have to see your shine all the time because you're coming into their world just like you're coming into yours. That's why romantic love is really the hardest love on this mm -hmm. earth because you control the success because mm -hmm. you can't do it by yourself. Okay. You can mm -hmm. only have a successful romantic love if you and the other person are really engaged, aligned and thriving and surviving. And it really puts you back to how you become so vulnerable because just like you were able to finish your dissertation and you yeah. know, and get your degree or if I wanted to say like oh I accomplished my financial goals and I got this house and I got my car mm -hmm. that was all on me mm -hmm. that's of my marriage is not on me nope it's yeah Kevin Spriggs Spriggs <laughs> is not riding with me and I'm not riding with him I can't check off the box that I have a successful romantic love because I can't do it by myself yeah yep. right on real quick because before we go I have one more question you keep mentioning effective dating mm -hmm. right What's the difference between effective dating and intentional dating? Or is there a difference? How do you define what effective love is? I mean, effective dating is. 
And so I only coined that, Tariq, and so you know a little bit about my program. So I would say they probably do kind of really mirror each other and they complement each other. But effective dating includes, again, like the, what John just brought up, it's a lot of self-work first. Okay. Right. And basically, when you talk about dating, a lot of times people think like it's a game. To a certain degree, it is a game. It actually can, it shouldn't be something that you feel like, oh, woe is me. I have to find love or what was me? I have to date again. If you're even in that posture, then you're already not really probably ready because it should be something that you aspire to. It should be something that you look forward to. Mm-hmm. You should be eagerly going onto that field to play. But if you have not done your work, it goes back to, again, effective dating includes, first, you have to check yourself, see how your overall well-being is. And that isn't just the internal. I do tell people that the reality of it is a part of dating is attraction and that sure. cannot fault people that if you are struggling with your aesthetics, if you're struggling with your health, if you're struggling, mm. you're struggling with your body, your hygiene, and your hygiene, yeah. nope. you have a right to say, I want somebody healthy, fit, and really making themselves look their best. I tell people all the time, I don't wake up like this. I have to, you know, do work. Yeah. What? <laughs> on to me but there are people who wake up with a glow and so forth and god bless you but for the you have to make some work so i always tell people it starts with you first and then as you move down you really have to look at your values which are basically your rules and figure out what are your most important things that you cannot like let's just say if you say i want someone now put it out there say i want someone who values education if that is a value to you you don't move that line and you don't explain yourself. Mm-hmm. If education is valuable to you, you don't move that line. Right. So, you have a plan, you make it and you have a strategy, and you're just not walking out just being drawn to someone physically. Right, right. Well, thank you so much for that, G. And as we wrap this show up, we like to do what we call the noble truths. And our noble truths are like just highlights, bullet points from our conversation today. So, what are some noble truths? What are some bullet points that you would like to share um, with the audience today? Um, I think we just coined one, which is the effective dating. And again, that goes back to not everyone is ready to effective date. If you want to fun dating, you want to just happy dating, carry on. Effective dating is not for everyone. And the other part is, is that again, self-love is not just your manicure, getting your lashes done, um, for men getting groomed and getting that beard done. Self-love is really about looking at yourself again from that whole ecosystem. Mm-hmm. You know, um, how are your finances? How is your relationships with your family? How is your relationship? In your so self is really about checking in on your well-being, not just about what you look like. Right on. All right. All right. John, what about for you? What are some of your noble truths for this week? Uh, I, I think be mindful about the uh, parallel process of dating and taking care of yourself, uh, as, as G was mentioning, both internal and external. And I think the other one, too, is um, don't overlook, yet don't underlook the idea of how powerful timing is. Um, you know, timing plays a critical role in dating and finding someone. Um, and so that that's one of the hardest things about life, but it is a big factor. So just pay attention to that. Mm-hmm. Okay. And Tariq, I want to add just one more before you do your last one. Don't just look at people you want to date the people who want to date. True. True. That's a great, that's a yeah, great point. That's a good point. That's a really good point. You know, and I would say for me, my noble truth for this week is really look it. There are people out there who are doing the work to help you connect with other people. 
You don't have to do this all on your own. You know, so you have different platforms, you have matchmakers, you have people like G who are out here doing this work. Reach out to them. Find out where they are, find out the work that they're doing, see if their work can work for you. Look at look at their history and see what their track record is of getting people, not necessarily towards marriage, because every date isn't supposed to end up in a marriage, but just right. connecting people in a way that allows them to explore the possibilities. So reach out to folks. Make sure that you, hey, we're about to ask G about how people can reach out to her. So make sure you reach out to someone like G or G herself to get you going in the right direction. That's my noble truth for this week. Yes, and I definitely seek a good therapist. A matchmaker is one thing, but a therapist is another. So let's just keep that a buck. And so you can find me at GS the Matchmaker uh, on Instagram. That's usually where I I'm found all the time. That's right. Um, and do you, have, do you have a website or anything too? Nope, it's just at GS the Matchmaker. Okay. Um, I kind of made it a very simple. Smart <laughs> very move. simple. There to- we go. Smart move, John. What about, John? What about for you? How can people find out more about uh, what you got going on? Hey, always, folks, always come check out kingsoftheheart.com. Always doing a lot of great work out there. We have an exciting year ahead of us. Um, feel free to reach out and see the great work we're doing at the Relationship Counseling Center of Maryland. So that's RCC Maryland, Maryland.com. And I'm always doing a lot of great work nationally around criminal justice reform for black and brown people out there. So come check us out here at Institute of Justice. Right on. Brother Rick, what are you up to, man? Where where can we find you? Hey, as always, you can find me at kingsoftheheart.com. You can also find me on all streaming platforms. That's Tariq Omari or Tariq Omari Walton. Or just go to the Kings of the Heart platform pages. We're everywhere as well. You can find us streaming live on um, YouTube. You can find us on all the different audio streaming platforms. We're everywhere. You just can find us everywhere. So that's for us. Look it. We got to wrap it up. G, I really appreciate you coming on today. And everyone, make sure you go check out her book. Thank you so much. Search yep. for, in, search of, in Search of James Evans. Go check it out. Very fun read. You'll learn a lot from it. Um, Dr. John, good to see you, brother. And As always. We, we will catch up again soon, guys. I hope you enjoyed. And we will talk to you later. Peace. Peace.